And so, Lord, we come now to your word. Lord, we thank you for it. We thank you that you're a God who speaks. We thank you, great God, that you have a word for us this morning. And so we open our hearts to you now, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Also, I meant to say our working bee is still on. That's good news. Our working bee is still on. So you can come and gather with us there as well on Saturday. We are really blessed to have Pastor Jody coming to share the word with us this morning. Church, I love it. Um, both online and here today, just to make Jody feel really welcome she comes to share with us. It is great to be here. I've already been crying in the worship this morning. Thank you, team. Um, so beautiful to be together, to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Wherever, wherever you are gathered this morning, you are welcome here, and it is awesome to have you here. I want to start off this morning by reading God's Word. I don't want to speak anything out that might happen, but just in case the live feed drops out, we want to get the Word of God in first, don't we? This is the most important part of the whole message this morning. So come um, with me into Galatians chapter 5, and we want to read the Word of God together. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Jump down to verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. 
those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. This is your word to us today, God. We thank you for it. We pray by your Holy Spirit now that you would just bring it alive to us, God. Show us where you want to teach us and lead us and direct us right through these very words. And we pray, God, that our hearts would be open to you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember a few years ago now, I was sitting, I was standing singing in a worship service, not dissimilar to this except back over in our other auditorium, A2. And I was singing about freedom. And in that moment of worship, something struck me. It stopped me in, in my tracks. It stopped me from singing. I couldn't go on. And I was looking at these words thinking, I don't actually know what this freedom is. I don't actually understand what I'm singing about here, God. I'm pretty sure I had tears streaming down my face as I often do in church services. Can I tell you, you are not alone if that happens to you. And in those tears, I, I cried out to God and said, I want to know what this freedom is that I'm sure you have for me. Since then, Galatians 5.1 has become one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. It is for freedom. Christ has set us free. The Greek translation is literally four words. Freedom, you, Christ, set free. The emphasis there is on the first and last word. Paul is reaching a pinnacle in his letter to these believers in Galatia. He's been building up over these weeks. We're saved by grace. We've been made right with God, not through the law, but by grace through faith in Jesus and what he did in the cross. We can rest in that. We are redeemed by him. No longer slaves working to earn our acceptance or favor. We've been brought into relationship with God. We are his children. And in this relationship, we have freedom. We are finally free. Paul is saying you are free at last. What joy. What celebration. What a relief. This freedom is this realization of the freedom that Jesus has set us free to live in. And yet almost in disbelief, Paul is telling them to stand firm in this freedom. Don't even think about walking away from it. Don't go back to the yoke of the burden of slavery. You don't need to go back there. You know, I remember um, being a really young teenager and visiting Taronga Park Zoo for the first time, admiring that beautiful zoo right on Sydney's amazing harbour, seeing all these animals in real life, but I couldn't help but feel sorry for them. I wanted to set them free. 
They weren't designed for life in cages and fences and behind glass barriers. They look sad and lost. Do you think if those animals were given a choice, would they choose freedom or a life of fences and cages? It might surprise you to know that some statistics in Australia in 2015 and 16 said that 44% of all Australian prisoners returned to jail within two years of release. Almost half. It's hard to imagine that you could experience freedom after prison and then recommit an offence to go back there. In the same way, Paul is amazed that people who have experienced the freedom of Christ would even consider living in anything but the fullness of freedom that he has made available to us. Maybe our choice to be free depends on our ability to perceive freedom, to understand it. Paul is addressing a specific issue here. You see, these Judaizers who had come into the Galatian church had never experienced freedom. They had not known it. They couldn't know it. They couldn't know it while they held so tightly to the belief that following the law and being good is what makes us right with Christ. For these new Christians in Galatia, the non-Jews, they'd heard and responded to the message of the gospel and experienced grace and salvation. But the Judaizers realized that these new converts came from questionable backgrounds. They were Gentiles after all. And that someone needed to guide them into the full revelation of God, which included adhering to the law. These Judaizers took it upon themselves to show these Gentile believers, to teach them how they could perfect their relationship with God by following the law. Circumcision was a theological symbol of this. It stood for a religion of salvation based on good works by keeping the law. And these Judaizers honestly held to the belief that faith in Jesus is insufficient without circumcision and law obedience added to it. Paul calls out circumcision here. But I'm sure it wasn't the only contentious issue in this church for these new Christians. Could have been eating bacon. Could have been observing the Sabbath. It could have been the correct way to worship. It could have been the treatment of foreigners, the retribution for injury um, or livestock. In my 2020 Bible in one year readings, I have been wading through Leviticus. There's plenty of examples here. And I've just made it through and I literally mean I just made it. Which is exactly Paul's point here. If you're gonna make a big deal about one thing to impose, you can't pick and choose what suits you. It's the law. You have to keep it all perfectly all the time. Otherwise, you fail at keeping it at all. 
If trying to obey the rules and then imposing these rules on others is your way of getting right with God, you haven't understood grace at all. In my own journey to freedom, I remember a time when I was just a little kid. I'd probably just received the wooden spoon for doing something naughty. And I remember crying my heart out. I can still see the retro tiles in the bathroom. Saying, I'm never going to do anything wrong again. I want to be good. And I realized that in that vow that little girl made, that every time she did something wrong, the guilt and shame was overwhelming. It kept me, even after I came to know and love Jesus, kept me thinking that I had to be good to be okay. Had to be good to please God. He couldn't love me if I was doing the wrong thing. Christ is sufficient for salvation in himself. If you add anything to Christ, you lose Christ. Paul says it is through the Spirit in verse 5, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Our hope doesn't come from working for our righteousness, but in the Spirit, by faith, we're simply waiting for it. There's a big difference, isn't there, between waiting and working for something. We're not striving anxiously to secure our eternal hope. Our final, our final glorification in heaven is as free a gift as our initial salvation. How well you keep the law has no value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The whole will of God is distilled down to one word, love. And freedom is the platform from which we serve one another in love. This love is defined for us by Christ's sacrificial giving of his life. It's inspired by the Spirit. It's expressed in doing good and loving in our relationships, especially in the church. Paul is not adding works of love to faith. Hear that, church. That is not the basis for our acceptance. No. But out of our faith in Christ alone, who has set us free, love flows. If these new Christians are wondering how to follow God and live his way, because they haven't been trained, they haven't had any background in following God, the law is only going to show them how they get it wrong. It is the spirit of Christ in them that will lead them into this life of love. For Paul, freedom is at the very heart 
of the gospel. God sets us free through Christ and in the spirit so that we can love God and love others. It is through Christ's sacrifice on the cross that freedom is a reality for us. Christ broke the power of sin and overcame the hostility we held towards God when we were in our sin. At the same time on the cross, our guilt and the stain of sin has been washed away. We are no longer slaves, no longer under the compulsion to sin. No longer bound to religious convention or evil powers. Even the cosmic forces of this world have been crushed at that cross. We have victory in Jesus over everything that is thrown at us. Hear that today, church. Even death itself has been defeated. In Christ, we have been given freedom from all of that. But that is only one side of the freedom coin. If that is what we've been set free from, then what are we set free for? We are free to love. And it seems so simple, doesn't it? And yet it is so infinitely complex in its outworking. But Christ set us free to walk in the Spirit and obey God in a radical fashion by serving people around us in selfless love. That is freedom. The cross equals love. We cannot come to the cross without being aware of our sin. The law makes us aware that we are sinners. We cannot make ourselves good by our human achievement and performance and efforts. We're never going to be good enough to save ourselves. The sin in our life, the consequences of it, the burden of guilt and shame that we carry, the relentless pressures of the world that weigh in upon us, the anguish of the brokenness in the world we live in, all of it makes us long for freedom. And in Jesus, through the Spirit, that freedom is possible for every single one of us. Hear that, the church, this morning. Galatians 5.13. You are called to be free. Say that out loud this morning. I am called to be free. If you're at home watching this, say, I am called to be free. Let the Holy Spirit speak that into your spirit this morning. You were made for this life of freedom in Christ. Paul has made it really clear that the Judaizers have been standing in the way of freedom, but there's another group of people on the other extreme, on the other end of the spectrum, who have been abusing this freedom. They said that this freedom means we can do whatever we want. Whatever suits me. Grace covers it all. It doesn't matter how I live. It doesn't matter. If it doesn't matter about the law, then on the other hand, the pendulum swing went, it doesn't matter what I do. And Paul said, this is not what we've been called to live either. 
Do you remember um, the first time when you left home? Some of you are old enough to remember this. Um, the first time thinking, now I can do whatever I want. None of mum and dad's rules apply to me anymore. Do you remember getting the car keys for the first time and thinking, wow, this is freedom. In our flesh, freedom often looks like independence, self-autonomy, looking after ourselves. It doesn't matter about what other people think. It's non-conformity to the rules, living outside healthy boundaries. That's what we think freedom really is. But that is not freedom. And Paul is addressing this here. Don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh or the sinful nature. And he goes on to talk about this battle, this conflict, this tug of war that exists within us between these two natures that are opposed to one another. One is the flesh and one is the spirit. Maybe you're aware of this battle. Paul himself even talks about this battle when he says, you know, I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is, keep, is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. That is one of the most confusing passages in the Bible, but it actually makes it really clear what this struggle and this tug of war looks like. Tim Keller says, there are two natures at work in every Christian, the spirit and the sinful nature. At any point in our life, we will live by one and not gratify the other. We will live by our sinful nature in ignorance to the spirit. Or you will live in the spirit against our sinful nature. You know, I read one commentary that said, non-believers don't have the same struggle as this. You know, they have like moral dilemmas, but they don't have this conflicting battle of these two natures going on within them. And it kind of dawned on me sometimes when I see people do something and I think, how could they do that? How could they think that was right? Well, the spirit is not there to guide them and lead them. But we live in this tension. Our sinful nature is not done away with, but the power of it is broken over us. Hear that today, church. When we come to faith in Jesus, when we receive Christ, our sinful nature doesn't go away. But Romans 6 tells us that the power of sin in our lives is broken. We now have a choice not to sin because of the Spirit living inside of us. We are set free to choose the Spirit's way the Spirit's leading in our lives. And while we experience the conflict of choice in this tug of war, when we walk with the Spirit, we are drawn into God's way. Obeying God becomes the choice that we want to make. Romans 8, 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit 
set their mind on the things of the Spirit. And it's not hard to pick in this passage that we just read the difference between what the flesh produces and what the Spirit produces. What the flesh produces cannot even come close to what the kingdom looks like. To live in the flesh fundamentally is to live outside of the realm of the Spirit of God. The people following the flesh and the people following the law are actually in the same boat, aren't they? They're not living in the Spirit. They're ignoring it. But the fruit of the Spirit comes straight out of the kingdom. Even when you read the fruit of the Spirit there, in contrast to the fruit of the flesh, you kind of feel this relief. The Spirit has brought about this new birth in the heart of every believer. God's Spirit dwells in us. It renews us and regenerates us from the inside into the likeness and the image of Christ. This fruit is who Jesus is. He showed us what this looked like. And it's kind of like a tree. It starts small and grows over time. If you've ever tried to grow a fruit tree, it actually takes quite a long time to get fruit to produce. There's watering and fertilizing and keeping pests away. But then there's the miracle of fruit. Over time and as the tree matures, it produces more and more fruit. The fruit of the Spirit in our lives is a bit the same as this. It's God's work to nurture and grow it. And at the right time, in the right way, God's fruit produces in us. The fruit is not self-generated. It is not about coming about by self-discipline. It is the divine fingerprint of God at work in our lives. As we walk in the spirit, fruit is produced. The fruit most of you will be familiar with, but hear them again slowly. Let them sink into you. What is challenging in your life right now to see this fruit? Maybe ask the spirit to help you grow it. He starts with love. He's already talked about love being the essence of it all. Love that pours out of the cross and into our lives, transforming and shaping us into the very love that rescued us. Love is to serve. Love is to sacrifice. Love is to pursue the well-being of others. If you need a reminder of love, check out 1 Corinthians 13. Then there's joy, to delight in God. Joy is different from happiness, which is based on our circumstances. Joy runs deeper than that. It's based on God and who he is and what he's done for us. And circumstances cannot take that away. Forbearance or patience in most of our translations. The ability to face trouble without blowing up or lashing out. That is the spirit. Kindness, the quality of serving others practically and showing mercy. Goodness means integrity, being consistent in character in every situation. Faithfulness, loyalty, courage, and being true to your word. 
gentleness, to be humble, the opposite of being self-assertive and self-control, to live well and contentedly within the boundaries that God has set for you and to pursue the important at the expense of the urgent. Paul says there is no law that could capture what living in this spirit life would look like. And it looks different for each one of us. God's spirit in you has given you unique opportunities and places for the expression of his love. That is the freedom Christ has set us free for. Not to be cookie cutter molds of one another, trying to follow the law, but to live in the freedom of our faith expressed in love in every possible circumstance and place to people of all walks of life and nations and beliefs and ages and preferences because God's heart is to reach them too with his love. I kind of love the idea that as people see the fruit of the spirit, they get a taste for it. They might say, this is good fruit. Where can I get some of that? And in this way, the kingdom grows. The kingdom spreads. The kingdom is tangible and visible to everybody. You know, it's, I think it's simpler than we think. Even just this week, I had a phone call late on Monday night, a text message actually from Chappy Mato, who's at Albany Creek, who said, my helpers are short. Is there anyone there who can make pancakes for the kids tomorrow? And we turned up, I think there's a photo there, I made pancakes and, I, and as I was flipping pancakes, a lot of pancakes, I just thought, you know, this is the kingdom. There were kids coming up going, whoa, those people are from my church. <laughs> there were people coming up to Ty going, I know you, I see you at Friday Night Buzz. You know, that's the expression of love, isn't it? There are people in this place who love teaching English. There are people in this place who love by going on camp with 200 teenagers. There are people in this place who love on the welcome door. There are people in this place who love. I saw some people loving by turning up with food for streetlight this week. That's so different and so varied. And if we went around the room, you could tell me a different way to love. And that is the expression of God. That is the freedom that we have been set free to live in and for. In my journey of freedom, I've come to know that this is about a pursuit of the Holy Spirit. A freedom to walk and know the Spirit in my life. A freedom to receive the love that he has showered and lavished, God's word said, upon me, and a freedom to give it away. And I encourage you this morning as the band comes to sing, to ask God to show you more of what this freedom looks like, to show you how to walk in the spirit, to show you how to be set free from the sinful nature and to walk in the freedom 
of life in him. Let's pray together, church. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of it just to speak to us and touch us, God. And in the depths of our heart and soul this morning, God, we ask that you would fill us again with your spirit, that you'd reveal your incredible love to us in a fresh way again this morning, God. that we would know again that this life that you have called us to is all about you, Jesus. It is not what we do that makes us good enough. It's not what we've done that would preclude us. God, it's all about you. And today we say yes to walk in your spirit. Lord, teach us to know the freedom that you have set us free to know in you. We pray in your precious name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand as we worship together and sing a song of freedom this morning. Actually, you have the freedom this morning to worship in whatever way you want. Can I just say that? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, church. So you have the freedom to sit, you have the freedom to stand, you have the freedom to put your arms up and surrender to God. You have the freedom to lie down on the floor. You have the freedom to come forward and receive prayer. We are free to worship our great God this morning, church. Thank you, Ben. Oh Lord, we thank you for the incredible freedom that you bring, only you can bring to our lives. And we thank you, Lord that you have made this possible for us, great God, that you have done this, that we might know this, Lord. And Lord, this is what you created us for, to experience this in relationship with you. And Lord, we thank you, Jesus, that you do reign, that you're the King of kings, you're the Lord of lords. We leave here this morning with our faith stirred and encouraged, great God. And so I want to pray, Lord, as we conclude our service, for your blessing on each and every one. I pray that now, Lord, each one here, each one watching online as well, that they will know your blessing, your care, your assurance. This week we pray, and Lord, we continue to pray for our world at this time as well. Lord, we do, great God, please come. Have mercy on us, we pray, and we ask this now in Jesus' mighty and powerful name. Everyone said, amen. Can we thank our amazing tech team who have put all our live stream together for us today? It's just incredible. Thanks, Ashton and all the team. Amazing, amazing job. You can be seated if you'd like prayer. Some of our prayer team will be down the front. They'd love to pray for you as well. God bless you, and we look forward to catching up soon.